Hi, everyone, and welcome to, I think, episode six of Everything I Learned in Theater School. Um, this is the podcast where I sort of walk you through my journey of, you know, what it was like to train to become an actor. Um, and, oh, and, and what it was like to learn all about theater, I should say. Uh, this is not just a podcast for actors. This is a podcast for anyone with any interest in theater, whether you have been to theater school, whether you're in theater school now, whether you've thought about it, whether you have no interest in theater school at all, but you are curious about what that experience is like. How does somebody become an actor? Well, this is one route that a person could take to become an actor. One of so many. Um, but I will say, if someone is taking the sort of university training route, uh, then, you know, this will not be exactly everyone's experience. But I think it's it's safe to say that in the U.S., if you go to theater school, uh, you could very easily have some version of this experience, right? So you might have a, a an equivalent version of this thing that I did, an equivalent version of that thing that I did. You know, maybe I did Linklater voice, but you did Fitzmaurice voice. But either way, you still took a voice class. You still took a movement class. You still took... Uh, that's so weird. I was trying to pretend it didn't happen, but I, I just had a, like a movement. Um, I don't know why. Um, yeah, and you still took a bunch of acting classes, right? So that's... Um, that it's it's going to be similar you know if you are more interested in uh in design then you would have taken uh similar versions of those classes um so it's all you know um there's there's similarities across the board um so you don't have to go to my you know my alma mater just to you know have an experience like this. You'll probably have an experience like this at a lot of different schools. Uh, okay, so speaking of school and what the experience was like and which classes I took, uh, I want to share today um, what my experience was like uh, in in the particular program that I that I spent undergrad in, uh, but especially or specifically how I got into that program, what that process was like, and what ultimately worked for me, what what ultimately, um, you know, set me, put me over the line to, to allow me to continue working in that way. Um, okay, great. So, uh, as I said early on, I, I applied to three schools, and I only got into one. Uh, one of them I had to audition for. Um, and I didn't get in. The one that I did get into, I didn't have to audition for. And because I did so little research about that, I, I had no idea that there was this thing that happened where they draw this distinction between uh, the BA acting program and the BFA acting program which is, to me, a very silly, uh, you know, couple sets of letters. Uh, they do mean something different. You you spend your time at the university differently depending on which program you're in, but 
the F in BFA stands for fine. So it's a Bachelor of Arts or a Bachelor of Fine Arts. But you're studying the same art form. So why is one fine art and one's not? That doesn't make any sense. Why do they do that? I don't know. But anyway, they just had to... How about this? Bachelor of Fancy Arts, right? They just wanted to sound fancy. I don't know. I'm I'm just making stuff up. But anyway, yes, it, it always seemed a, a little bit pretentious. Uh, and it still does. Okay. So yeah, I had no idea that this was a thing. But what I eventually found out was, okay... Once you get to school, you start taking class, and toward the end of your first semester, you have the option to audition for this BFA program. Uh, and what that would mean for you if you got into it is you, the sort of requirements um, that you need to graduate are a little bit different. So, for example, um, you you have to do at least four shows. You have to perform in at least four shows at school before you graduate. So out of eight semesters, you've got to perform in at least half of those semesters. And then um, you have to do at least one professional internship, which is to say uh, you have to go perform in a play at a professional theater um, and quite probably on the cheap. Um and that's real a real requirement and one that had you know has delayed the students from graduating on time um you know so it's it's not just a, a a given that oh if you get into this program you will be offered an internship you, you still have to work for that and apply for it and audition for it and be accepted um you know the university will have a relationship with some local theaters, but there's no guarantee that, that you'll get into a show there. Um, so it's, it's something you've got to work for. Uh, and then it, it sort of dictates how many and how frequently of what kind of classes you take. So it's a, it's a lot more performance-based classes, um, and it actually... Uh, it actually means that you wind up taking slightly fewer general education requirements than than you normally would. Um, and just to clarify, though, you're still taking a, a ton of general education requirements, um, you know, especially compared to places in, in Europe where you, you barely have to take anything outside of your actual field of study. Um, so yeah, still doing a lot of of coursework in other subjects, which I love, which I think is great, and I think is at least for you know theater people when you're in the business of sort of creating worlds, knowing a lot about a lot of different things can be incredibly useful. Um, you know, I would say the same for like a, you know, creative writing major. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we heard about this thing, got some idea of of what it meant. I'm sure there were a lot of students there who knew about it before they came to school, who knew about it, decided, okay, I'll go to that school. I will audition for this thing and I will get in and that's how I'll spend 
my my remaining three and a half years. Um, and for students who have invested that much energy into that, if it doesn't work out, then you have a decision to make whether you want to stay at the school and do the BA program, maybe audition again the next year, maybe not, just kind of, you know, keep doing your thing. Um, or maybe you want to drop out of school after that and transfer or move to New York or LA or just do something different. They're all totally valid, great options. Um, if you're up for it. Uh, so here's how these, this, this getting into this program worked. Um, they use the model that professional theater companies use, which is auditions, right? Um, and, and auditions are kind of a terrible way to make decisions, but um, they they still are a standard and they do serve a purpose and there is some useful information that can be gleaned from them, um, but it's just that there are a lot of shortcomings to auditions. I'll, I'll say that. The nice thing about this was that in 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 addition to the audition, in addition to the audition, you have been taking class this whole semester, and your teachers have been, you know, noticing things about you, whether you're performing at a high level or whether you are very teachable or directable, whether you are, you know, whether you question everything or whether you are happy to try things out and see what happens. Um, whether you're late to class on time, whether you give overly critical feedback to your fellow students after presentations, you know, um, there there's so many different factors in addition to the audition that that help those teachers decide: Do I want to invest three and a half years worth of close, intensive uh, energy? with this particular student. Um, right, so we find out about the thing. Here's how it works. Here's the program, and now here's how you audition. You're going to come in with your own monologue, which is to say a chunk of text where it's just you talking, and then you will you will bring in a scene. Uh, and you'll be able to pick from these two or three options. Um, I remember one of them was from Proof, uh, which was a, a pretty popular play that had come out a few years before. It had just recently been turned into a movie. and um, But I chose the other one, which is called This Is Our Youth. This Is Our Youth is uh, an, a play. It's not an old, well, now it's sort of an old play, but it wasn't like an old, old play. Um, it was just older than Proof, um, just to sort of give you a sense of of when it's from um if you're a certain age or below you may not know that hbo stands for home box office um but the playwright of this is our youth certainly knew that because it was a sort of fledgling um you know premium network at the time and there's a line in this play uh where where the guy says I mean, what if I want to come over and watch a movie on the home box? Right? Nobody nobody even calls it the home box office anymore, let alone the home box. So, 
Um, yeah, that's that's might give you a sense of when this play is from. Um, and during my years at the school, I couldn't stand these plays, Proof or This Is Our Youth or several other ones. They, they felt so tired and weird and cheesy. But then when I started teaching acting, I was looking for good material for younger people. And then I realized, oh, that's why they they use these plays. Like, they're good plays. Um, and they're decent in terms of... This is something I can, you know, kind of believe young people to be playing. You know, not exact mind. They're still definitely older than than most of us were, uh, these characters. Um, But it's a reasonable stretch, right? Um, And they're just like, they're pretty well written. There's some good conflict in there. Um, And, you know, I think our biggest gripe at the time was like, oh, we just see these scenes all the time and we're just so tired of them. Um, But they are great. And I was lucky enough to, like, when I started acting, um, it was far enough out that, like, my students didn't really know these plays, uh, which was a special experience. Um, But anyway, uh, so, yeah, we're going to pick one of those. I chose This Is Our Youth. I didn't have a great experience choosing my monologue um, and the biggest mistake I made was not asking anybody for help or advice. I just sort of did what I had always done, which was thumb through a bunch of plays um, and look for uninterrupted chunks of text um, and then see if any of them felt good to me, if I enjoyed any of them. Um, and that's what I did. So one afternoon at Barnes & Noble with some friends, I was looking through... And I found this funny chunk of text in a play called Sexual Perversity in Chicago by David Mamet. A great play. Uh, It was adapted into the film About Last Night. Um, And I chose this monologue that I, in retrospect, it was not a great idea. Uh, It was the character that Jim Belushi plays in the movie. Um, You know, that's not that wasn't my vibe um but i thought well it's it's funny he's telling a funny story um and probably didn't think this you know literally but basically um and it's a funny story where i can be big and bold and loud kind of like what i would always do in high school um so i picked it i said yep this is one i'm gonna work on that's done great let's let's put some solid time into memorizing this, figuring out a little bit who my character is, trying to apply as much as I could from what I learned in Acting 1 to these pieces. Great. Okay, good. So then the day arrives um, when it's time to audition. And uh, the auditions are in what we call the studio, uh, the studio theater at the time, or the black box, which ironically had been black, but I think the year before I started, they painted it mostly white. Um, anyway, uh, that was a cool, it was down in the basement and it was directly below our main stage theater and there were two staircases. So they set it up so that, you know, each student would 
go down one staircase, sort of be on deck um, while the the person before them was auditioning. Um, And then they would go in, they would audition, and then they would leave through the other staircase. So you could go down the stairs, be on deck, have your own little sort of bubble of peace um, before you went in. So I get down there, um, and they did this nice thing where they they got the third and fourth year uh, BFA students to come like chill at the bottom of the steps uh, and just be like a friendly presence for these you know nerve wracked uh, mostly like late teenagers who were coming to to do this thing. Um, yeah, and, and the guy down there when I showed up. I'd had like one chat with before and later we, we became good friends. Um, but he, I think he pretty much left me alone. And then I think right before he opened the door to usher me in, he said, are you breathing? And it just gave me all the sort of motivation I needed to think, am I breathing? No, I'm not breathing. I should probably breathe. And and just sort of like release a lot of anxiety that I had been feeling. Um, not about anything in particular, I don't think, but just that thing of, of you know, I feel anxious. I feel like there's something at stake. Um, but yeah, I, I got to let a lot of that go. So I got in, I had a nice chat with the, the teachers, told them the pieces I was going to do. Um, and then I start and I do that monologue and it's big and loud and bold, just like I planned. Um, I'm trying to be funny, which now I know is a no, no, like don't try to be funny. Just tell the funny story and it will be funny, um, more or less. But, uh, so I, I go and I do that and then I do my scene and the scene is performed with a a grad student, right? I think probably all the grad students are in there observing um, and also sort of subbing in to read scenes um, with the students, depending on which scene they're they're working on. Um, Yeah, and I, you know, I had a fun time doing my scene. Um, I didn't love the scene at the time, but I was feeling like, okay, this is all right. Uh, one of the teachers then gives me an adjustment, which is basically like a bit of direction and saying like, hey, can you do this again, but in a slightly different way? Um, and I think the adjustment was telling the grad student, okay, you want to get out of this conversation, so actually try and leave the room. And you, Max, don't let her out of the conversation. Don't let her leave the room. Do that with your body. Do that with your words. Go. And so we did that, right? I leave feeling like I did pretty well, but I I don't know. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I think, if, if I have the sort of timeline right, I think this happened after the auditions, but before decisions were made, before the, the you know, um, we found out whether we got in or not. Um one of those grad students down there was my uh, was the TA for my acting one class, and the teacher was gone this day, and so uh, he was leading the class, um, and I think he was having people who auditioned for the program sort of redo their 
to to reperform their monologues, which is actually kind of a nice thing to give it a little space to almost sort of grieve the end of that process. Um, but yeah, he, he, I remember going up, doing it pretty much exactly the way I did it in the room. And then he gave me an adjustment on that. Um, and it was just tell the story. Uh, he got someone to give me a chair. He made me sit in the chair, made me look at one of my classmates imagine that they're the the other character that I'm talking to um, and just sit in the chair and simply tell the story. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Um, you know, I it felt so good. Um, I was just, you know, I was quieter. I was more relaxed. But I was just like a human person telling another human person a story. The way that I did it um, in in my audition, right or wrong, I, I acted like I was in a very loud bar and I had to shout to be heard as if the other person couldn't really hear me, um, which I think is not a, a great choice unless you're going to make it really obvious that you're at a at a bar or somewhere loud. Anyway... Um, he has me do it that way. It feels amazing. And then I think it was after class, he said something kind to me about that adjustment and and then said, that's what was missing in your audition. Um, what worked about your scene is that you were listening to your scene partner and they could tell that you were listening to your scene partner. But that's what was missing from your monologue. And so I left feeling like, oh, so I kind of screwed up my monologue. But also I think the scene went better than I thought because because he said that. Um, and then, uh, you know, not too long after that, I found out that I did get in. That, you know, shaped my sort of trajectory for the next three and a half years. Um, but... I always sort of remember that that day where I was working with that grad student and what I came to understand was that probably the most important thing that as an actor, I think this applies to life on a huge level, but at least as an actor, one of the most important things you can do is improve your ability to listen, right? Which I'm sure my teacher would would have said, um, in, increase your need to understand what the other person is saying, which will then make you listen. Um, but, yeah, it, it was such a gift to realize, like, oh, okay, I need to do that first. And then, if I can do that, then my work stands a chance at being honest and simple which is how it was when it felt so good when I sat down in that chair and I just talked to a human being, you know. And if it's good and simple as a baseline, then I can layer, you know, layer bits on top of it, make it more interesting. But it's never going to be interesting if it's, you know, if I'm not listening. Because if I'm not listening, then whatever I'm saying 
He's like, I'm just waiting for my turn to talk. I'm not responding truthfully to anyone else on stage um, if I'm not really, really listening. Um, so that's that's what I would say to you. Whatever position you're in, whether you are acting, you're taking classes, you are in a job, you're in a relationship, um, anything that you want to continue going well or ideally improve, learn to listen to the other people involved. And it might not be an intuitive thing. It might not be a thing that you remember. You can set reminders for yourself. Listen, practice active listening. And then what will start to happen is that the things you say on stage will start to be said in direct response to what somebody else would say. And then you have an actual conversation. And it's fantastic. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Right? There's this whole like BFA program thing going on. And I'm so happy that that worked out. And it was such a delight. Um, but the biggest thing for me in this episode is listening is can you listen because if you can listen on stage then you can speak truthfully you can feel an impulse and act on that impulse um but if not you're just going to be the person that the audience is watching who's clearly waiting for their turn to talk If you have any questions about this whole BFA program thing, about listening, about auditions, about anything that you've heard me talk about, or anything that you've heard somebody else talk about, about theater or theater school, drop me a line. I would love to read your questions. I'd love to share some responses on the podcast, um, but it's theaterschoolpod at gmail.com so t-h-e-a-t-e-r schoolpod at gmail.com thanks so much everybody for listening I really appreciate it and I appreciate your feedback Um, I hope you're all doing grand and I look forward to talking to you once more very very soon